turn now to Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16, and we'll read verse 20. He who gives attention to the word will find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. He who gives attention to the word will find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Father, as we come to your word now, I pray that you help us give attention to it, that you would help us here in this passage to find good, and that we would trust in you, that we would therefore do what you say tonight. God, thank you that all of your word points to your son, and I pray that you remind us of him and of your great mercy to us in him tonight as well, and we pray in his name. Amen. Perhaps you've heard someone say something like this before. Maybe you've even said it. My week always goes better when I go to church on Sunday. You ever say that or hear someone say that? My week always goes better when I go to church on Sunday. Now, there are different ways that someone might mean that, different ways that we could take that. When someone says that, I want to ask them, well, would you keep going even if your week didn't go better? Um, we don't come to church just so we'll have a better week, right? Um, but to think that way sometimes is a kind of, if God will scratch my back, then I will scratch his. If I will come to church and God will bless me, then I'll do it. And we could read Proverbs 16.20 in that way, couldn't we? We could take Proverbs 16.20 and apply it and extrapolate it in that way. He who gives attention to the word will find good. When I go to church, when I read my Bible, my day goes better, my week goes better, and therefore I do it. If I'll just memorize the scriptures, if I'll just go to church, if I'll just read the scriptures enough, God will bless me for it. And probably throughout the week I'll have less arguments with my wife, and I'll get my bills paid maybe better off, and my gas mileage will be better, and my kids will obey, and everything will be better if I'll just, if I'll just give God uh, his tip of the cap on Sunday morning or in the mornings for my devotional time. And I say we could read this verse that way. And in fact, Job's friends, you remember Job's friends? This is the way they thought. They thought, Job, if you'll just do right, if you'll just give God what he's asking for, then he'll, he'll make your life easy. You'll, you'll live long and you'll prosper. And they could have perhaps quoted Proverbs 16.20 had it been written by that time and said, look, if you'll just give attention to God's word, you'll find good. Life will be well for you. Do good and life will be good. But we learned in Job when we studied it some time back that it doesn't always work that way, does it? It doesn't always work that we just do what we know God wants us to do and then life is happy or easy. Many of you know that from experience, don't you? God causes rain, which is a good thing to fall on the just and the unjust. And God also allows difficulty to come into the lives of the just and the unjust. So Proverbs 16.20, as we read it, doesn't mean if you'll just read your Bible, then your life will go smoother. In fact, the only difference many times between the person who gives attention to the Word of God and the person who doesn't give attention to the Word of God, the, the difference is not that one's life is easier than the other. The only difference many times is that one of them is equipped to handle the potholes and the curveballs and the phone calls in the middle of the night and the other one is not. But they still both have the potholes, and they still both have the difficulties. And that's what really this verse is all about, that one person is equipped and the other person isn't. 
the good that God promises here. And he does promise good, doesn't he? He who gives attention to the word will find good. The good that God promises here is not if you'll read God's word, he'll give you clear sinuses or happier days or less difficulties or longer life. If you'll just read your Bible. No, the good that God promises here is the Bible itself. That's really the main point in this whole first half of the sermon. The good that God is promising in this passage is the Bible itself. What God is saying to us here is that if you would just diligently dig into the word of God, you would find diamonds there. That's the point. The good that we're promised here is not a repayment for reading the Bible. The good that we're promised here is a reward that we find in the Bible itself. So it's not read the Bible and then God will add some other reward. It's read the Bible and in reading the Bible, the reward will be there on the page in front of you. And it'll start to play itself out in your life. Let me put it like this. I said if you would turn to the Bible, we'd find diamonds there. You don't go and dig in a diamond field hoping that by doing so, your kidney stones will be cured, right? Those two things don't necessarily correlate, right? You dig in a diamond field not to get some other blessing, but for what's actually in the field. You dig in a diamond field looking for diamonds. And when you find them, they may well make you forget about your kidney stones for a little while, right? Or they may even be able to be changed in for money that could help you get treatment for your kidney stones. But it's not the digging itself in the diamond field that actually cures the problem over here. There's not a one-to-one correlation. If you do this, then something that's unrelated will go well for you. And that's what I'm trying to say about Bible reading. There's not a a one-to-one correlation between reading your Bible or going to church and having a nicer, smoother week with no kidney stones, as it were. Now, the things that you mine, the diamonds that you mine from Scripture, may well, just like the diamonds we were talking about they may well put your other worries into perspective you go i've got this why am i so worried about this and they may end up helping you overcome those troubles eventually as well but the point is the bible is not a magic elixir that will make your life easier if you'll just come to church and hear it twice a week and if you'll just read it a few verses every day that's not what he's saying the good that we find in giving attention to the word of god is not a repayment for reading the Bible. It's a reward to be found in the Bible itself. So God's not offering a trade-off here. You give me 20 minutes a day in the Bible, and I'll give you compliant children or a productive meeting tomorrow morning or a healthy week or whatever it may be. The Bible is the blessing. Or if you think about it like this, God wants to give you a gift in this passage. He wants to give you what's good. And really, the truth is, he's already given it to you. The gift is already there. It's God's word. He's already given you what he wants to give you. So reading the Bible is not a way of earning the gift. Reading the Bible is just opening up the gift that's already in your hands. That's what he's saying. If you just open up God's word inside the pages of this book, you'll find good. Now, I hope I'm making myself clear. Again, the main point when Solomon speaks of there being good and giving attention to the word of God is that the good is the Bible itself. There's treasure in this book. There are promises in this book that are meant to hearten you in your days of trials. And if you will go to the book, they will hearten you. 
whether the trials go away or not. There are principles in this book that are made such that if you will do what God says, it will work. doesn't mean everything in your life will be happy and easy, but if you'll do what God says, it will work. And of course, when we go to the Bible, we find that there's good news for people who haven't obeyed the principles, right? You say, well, there's these principles, and that's great, and we should do them, but I messed up. And then I go to the Bible, and I find, man, even for me, in fact, the main message of the Bible is that even for me, who hasn't done what God has said I should do, the things that are for my own good, and I've turned against him, there's good news for me that he sent his only begotten son into the world to live faithfully when I haven't, and to die the death I deserve, and to rise from the dead on the third day, so that if I'll just repent of my sins and believe in him, I'll be saved from those sins, and I'll have eternal life. That's what I find when I open this book. And it's in all the pages, in all the books of the book, this good news. And so I tell you, he who will just open the book will find good. These promises, these wise precepts from God, this good news of the Savior, that's what we find when we open the scriptures. And that's good enough, isn't it? How is it that all these things can be there for us and still people think, well, I'm going to open up the scriptures because it'll make my week smoother? If we think like that, we're just setting our sights far too low, aren't we? What is a smooth week in comparison to all the other things that God offers us in this book? To read the Bible just so that you hope your day will go better or to go to church just so you hope your week will go better is like going to the Chinese buffet and seeing all the food and all the nourishment set out before you and then just only eating the fortune cookie because you know the fortune cookie is really the the thing that uh, you know gives you the good news at the end and you can go through and you can feel better about yourself and so you get to that and that's all you need well that's what it's like if you just read God's word you're not really looking for nourishment you're not really looking for food you just want some superstitious blessing that's going to fall on you at the end of it all then just go eat the fortune cookie because that's what it's like To put it into just real stark terms, what would you rather have? An easier week for yourself or the promise that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Which would you rather have? A good day because you read the Bible or the promise that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Sometimes you get both. But you go to the word of God for the big thing, not just because you hope that God will do you good if you tip your cap to him. So he who gives attention to the word will find good in the word. And how many times have you found when you just wake up in the morning and open your Bible to the next chapter that follows the one you read yesterday morning, that God gives you exactly what you need that day? You didn't know you were going to be reading Hosea chapter 7 or Jude verse 26, but there it is, you turn to it, and it says exactly what you need to hear that day. Or how many times have you come on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and sat through the sermon or the Sunday school class, and you're sitting there listening, and you're going, you know, it's almost like he knew what happened this week. Now, I don't know what happened this week. But I pray every week for these sermons that God will so speak to people that you will leave going, man, I know he doesn't know what's going on in my life, but God, that was exactly for me. 
And God does that all the time. And when he does it, it's not necessarily that by coming and hearing that Sunday, your week then gets easier. It's that when you come and you hear on that Sunday, you find that God is speaking to the problems of your week and offering you help to sort through them and giving you hope in the midst of them. Maybe sometimes the word you need is just some minor point in the sermon. Or maybe it's just something from the scripture reading at the beginning of the service that nobody even commented on. It was just read aloud and then we went ahead and sang. But something there in God's word spoke to you. That's the power of the word of God. And if you will come in anticipation on Sundays and Wednesdays and day to day as you open the Bible yourself, you will find that he will speak like that. If you'll just expose yourself to the word of God as often as possible, you'll find that it's strewn with diamonds. And when you're digging in a diamond field like that, you can't help but go away richer. And even if you come and hear God's word and it doesn't seem to speak to the present difficulties in your life, even if you come this Sunday and you hear the passage about little children coming to Jesus and you're going, I don't have any children, I don't have any grandchildren, Um, I'm not sure how this applies to me. I'm not a child myself. Even if you come and you don't see some answer, some word for what's going on in your life and your circumstances right now, every time you open this book, if you'll listen to it, it'll tell you how you can know God and how you can be saved from your sin and how you can be with him in heaven. And even if that's all you find when you open God's word, you found what is good, haven't you? So you always find good if you will commit to give attention to the word. And I want to ask now, what does it mean to give attention to it? That's an important question, isn't it? He who gives attention to the word will find good. It's not just the person who reads the word or who knows the word or who even can quote the word. It's he who gives attention to it. And surely that's more than simply reading, knowing, and quoting So what does it mean to give attention to God's word and thereby to find good? I want to give you three suggestions. First, to give attention to the word means concentration. It means concentration. To give attention to God's word means more than just to skim the Bible or read it like you would as an assignment in school so that you can get your daily chapter in. Now, we all have days when we read the Bible like that, and it's, I assume, probably better to read it like that than not to read it at all. It's better to do the right thing with somewhat wrong motives than to do the wrong thing with wrong motives. But the point is, if you're really going to find good in God's Word, if you're really going to get what God wants for you there, you have to do more than just read it because you're supposed to. You have to give attention to it, and that requires effort. It requires thought. It requires time, it requires meditation, it requires the the word I'm using, concentration. Concentration. Not just picking through it, looking for uh, an inspiring sentence or a poetic nugget, something that you can remember and go, wow, that was really cool, and then take that through your day. But to really pay attention to what's there. So that a good question to ask yourself whenever you open God's word and read it, is could I summarize for someone the chapter that I just read this morning or this evening? Not could I recite it from memory or tell them every single thing that was in these 20 verses or however long it is, but could I give three to four sentences 
as a synopsis of the chapter that I just read. Who wrote it? What did they say? Where does this passage fit in Bible history? Because if I'm unable to do that, I really don't understand the passage. And I may think that it's speaking something to me that it's actually not speaking. And if I'm unable to summarize what I've read, am I really giving attention to the word? Am I really concentrating on it? Or am I just kind of reading it like some people read poetry just to make me feel, well, that was warm. You know, that was, that was a flourish of, of words there in the book of Isaiah, and that really made me feel good. That's the way we do it sometimes, right, especially with familiar passages. We listen to the Christmas story, and it just feels poetic to us. Do we really pay attention to what it says? Some of us are in a habit of reading the Bible like that more often than we realize. We read God's Word sometimes merely because we want to have a little daily pick-me-up at the beginning of the day to help me feel warm inside, to help me feel like I can face the day. And so I look for, as I say, some little poetic nugget, some little something that you could write on the inside of a fortune cookie, and then I try to take it with me. But that's no way to read the Bible, just looking for quaint one-liners. What we should be asking when we read the Bible is, did I really understand that chapter? Or if it's not even a chapter, if it's just a few verses, did I understand what Paul or what David or what Moses is really getting at there? Did I take the time to hear all that God might be saying to me in this particular passage of Scripture? Now, you'll never get it all. But did you take the time to try to get all that God intended for you that day? I submit to you that if you read the Bible that way with care and concentration, oftentimes you'll find it just as warm as reading it for the little nuggets. You'll find yourself just as encouraged as you did the other times. And you'll actually take something much more long-lasting with you because you'll have the whole nugget instead of just the shell so giving attention to the word means to concentrate on it to read it with care to really pay attention to what's there secondly to give attention to the word means consistency means consistency imagine now that you have a neighbor and he goes out at the beginning of the spring and he rakes up all the leaves in his yard, and he puts mulch in all the flower beds, and he plants flowers, and he trims the hedges, and he fertilizes the grass, and he edges along the sidewalk, and everything looks beautiful. He is giving great concentration, concentrated effort to his property, right? But then imagine that he does little else to it until around about September. He barely keeps the mowing up every three weeks. He lets the weeds grow wild in the garden, He doesn't water the flowers or the grass in the heat of August. He lets the hedges grow wild so that they look like a teenager's haircut coming out the top. What would you say? Would you call that giving attention to his yard? He gave it concentration at one point in time, right? But is he really giving attention to it? You might say he has good intentions, but he doesn't have good attention. And so I could look at the person whose yard is that way and we could say, that's how I am with God's word. That's how I am. I get up and I come on Sunday morning and I'm ready and I listen carefully and I give attention to God's word and I'm glad about it. And then I go home and things happen and the days go by and the rest of the week, the Bible sort of lies beside me silent. And I don't even apply the things that I was giving attention to on Sunday morning. I had great concentration, but I didn't have consistency. 
And then Wednesday comes and you do the same thing and you're like, wow, okay, Proverbs, that was neat. And you go home and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you get back into the same old inconsistent routine. Or maybe some of us have a longer loop in this process. That is, instead of doing it weekly, we do it in longer stretches. We get a new study Bible or we have a new reading plan at the beginning of the year and we're going to really concentrate on God's word this time. We're going to really study it. But then we do that for a few weeks. Some of us do do a little something every day, but there's not much depth to it, and so it doesn't last. And then others of us dive head first into the scriptures, but we give up too easily. So we need concentration and consistency. And the point right now, of course, is the latter of those two, consistency. And what I want to say to you is this. Sometimes God does work by fits and starts. Sometimes he does move us forward all at once in a great heave, as it were. But usually, Christian growth happens, as C.S. Lewis put it, through the drippings of grace. That's a good phrase, the drippings of grace. That is to say, if you put it back in the man's yard again, the flowers of faith and the fruit of the Spirit usually grow best in places not where there are occasional thunderstorms of Bible reading and church attendance only, but where there's a steady rain nearly every single day. Let me say that again. The flowers of faith and the fruit of the Spirit grow best not where there are simply occasional thunderstorms of Bible reading and church attendance, but where there's a steady rain nearly every single day. And along those lines, I want to give you a few practical reminders, things that you all know already, but that bear repeating now and again about this steady rain or these drippings of grace. Still under this heading of consistency, Proverbs 16.20 calls out for consistent personal Bible reading. Perhaps that's the most obvious application, the one that maybe you're already making in your mind. But let me just say it to you. It calls for consistent personal Bible reading. Now, that doesn't mean you have to digest massive amounts of Scripture. Just a modest goal of a chapter a day would do some of us quite well. If you did that, you could read the whole New Testament in nine months. Or right now, I'm reading the Minor Prophets a chapter a day because I'm not as familiar with the Minor Prophets as many of the other places in Scripture. And I'm benefiting from it. But whatever the portion, the point is you need these daily drippings of grace. How else are the words of God, Deuteronomy 6, going to be on your heart when you sit down and when you rise up and when you walk along the way if you're not regularly reading them? So Proverbs 16.20 calls for consistent personal Bible reading. Secondly, it calls for consistent family worship where you sit down with your family, whether it's your children or just you and your spouse or whoever it may be, and you worship the Lord together around his word and it's particularly important if you have children because remember deuteronomy 6 again verses 6 and 7 these words shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your sons to your children and your children are just like you they don't just need the big rain showers of sunday school on sunday morning they need the drippings of grace as well now just compare those two for a minute you know how thunder showers can be in the summer, right? 
when the ground is hard and it hasn't rained in days and days and days, and then a big thunderstorm comes, most of the water slips away, doesn't it? It just goes right off and it rolls down into the river. But if there's been a little bit of a drizzle here and there through the week so that the ground is soft, then the big showers do all the more good. And that may be a way for you to think about Sundays and Wednesdays for yourself and for your children. Sundays and Wednesdays are like the big showers. And big showers are important. They're needed. But ground that has received very little rain all week long, most of the water from the big showers on Sunday and Wednesday then will wash right off. And so daily personal reading and daily family devotions are important. They're important in and of themselves, and they're important to keep the ground ready to receive what you get when you come for the big showers. So sit down with your children and read a portion of Scripture to them. Talk about it for two or three minutes. Sing a song together, a a hymn or a spiritual song or a psalm, and then pray together. Fifteen minutes, Um, but just watering the ground with your children. And then thirdly, still under this this broad heading of consistency, Proverbs 16.20 cries out for consistent church attendance. Now, I know you're the Wednesday night crowd, and so you're the ones who probably aren't consistently at church. But again, it just bears repeating so that we remember it and remember why it's important that we be here. We said already that you don't only need these hard, long rains of Sundays and Wednesdays, but you do need a good, hard, long rain sometimes, don't you? It washes things away that need to be washed away. It produces deep underground reserves of water, talking about physical rain. And, and the reason why it's so beautiful here in the spring is because we get all the snow in the winter, right? That's what makes our grass green. If you ever move to where we come from, you'll see that the grass is never as green. I mean, we came here and we said, we didn't know grass could be this green. It's because of all the snow that dumps here in the winter. And the underground water reserves are deep so that the grass grows well. And that's how it is with these Sundays and Wednesdays. You get these big showers poured out on a heart that's ready, and they begin to produce reserves for you. I always get more out of a passage when I preach it or when I hear it preached than when I read it in my morning devotions, almost always. And I would guess you're the same. Some things just don't grow without the longer rains. Some graces in your life just aren't going to grow without these longer rains of Sundays and Wednesdays. So be consistent. That's part of what it means to give attention to the word. So it means concentration, it means consistently, and then thirdly, finally, giving attention to the word means conformity, conformity to it. And I draw this from the second half of verse 20. Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Now, if you look at verse 20, and I'll show this to you, what it is is what is sometimes called a parallelism. That is... Oftentimes, in biblical poetry especially, you'll have a a single verse of Scripture with two stanzas, and both stanzas are really saying the same thing twice. And it happens a lot in Proverbs. Let me just show you a couple of examples in this very chapter. Verse 13, Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. 
See how that's saying the same thing? Righteous lips and he who speaks right are the same thing. Delight of kings and loved are the same thing. Then verse 18 is one of the more famous ones. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. We know that verse. And we know that Solomon is saying the same thing twice. It's important sometimes to say the same thing twice. Uh, some of you have learned that from hearing me say the same things lots of more than twice in my sermons. But that's what this verse 20 is. It's a parallelism, just like verse 18. Solomon is saying the same thing in the first half of the verse as he is in the second half of the verse. In other words, when he says, blessed is he who trusts in the Lord, he's just saying the same thing as he finished saying when he said, he who gives attention to the word will find good. Blessed is he is the same thing as will find good. You'll find good, you'll be blessed. And then he who trusts in the Lord is the same person who in the first half of the verse gives attention to the word. So do you see how these things fit together? What he's saying in the second half of the verse is to give attention to the word not only means carefully, consistently studying it, but trusting what it says, believing the God who wrote it. So to give attention to God's word means to trust God's word. And I'll remind you that to trust God's word inevitably means that we act upon it, right? We act upon the promises and live as though we believe they were true. We act upon the precepts and we do what they say. So to give attention to the word means to trust what it says and to act upon what it says. In other words, to bring our lives into conformity with the scriptures. He who gives attention to the word will find good and blessed is he who trusts the Lord, who believes the Lord and therefore whose life comes into conformity with what the Lord says put it very simply the way to find good in the word of god is to conform to what it says the way to find good in the word of god is to obey it and we find this in a couple of different psalms let me show you those briefly psalm 119 100 says this i understand more than the aged because i have observed your precepts I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. Did you hear what he says? He doesn't say, I understand more than the aged because I went to seminary. He doesn't say, I understand more than the aged because I read my Bible for six hours every day. He doesn't say, I understand more than the aged because I'm really good at the whole concentration and consistency thing. Those things are elsewhere in the scriptures and would be true. But in this case, the psalmist says, the reason why I understand more than people who are a lot older than me is because I not only read God's word, I not only Uh, listen to God's word, but I do what it says. And so what he's saying is one good that is drawn from conformity to God's word is that the more you conform to God's word, the more you understand of God's word. And I don't know all the ways that works, but I know it's true. Understanding and wisdom and good do not merely come from study of the scriptures. The psalmist says they come from obedience to it. And so, giving attention to the word means conforming ourselves to it. And then there's Psalm 19, verses 9 through 11. We looked at Psalm 119, now we look at Psalm 19, and I'll read from verses 9 through 11. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. 
The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. In keeping the precepts of the Lord, there is great reward. Not just in reading them, not just in studying them, not just in giving attention to them in those kinds of ways, but there is also reward in keeping them, in conforming your life to them. And here's what the folks I quoted at the beginning so often miss when they say, you know, when I go and hear the word of God, my week seems to go better. And sometimes perhaps that's true. But there are no guarantees that that'll be true. There's no one-to-one correlation between simply hearing God's word and things going well for you. But there is a guarantee that if you will keep God's word, if you will give obedient attention to God's word, then there is great reward. That's when things start to work together for your good, when you really love God so much that you give attention to his word and keep what it says. There's promised reward in that. We don't always know what the reward is, right? We said this a few weeks ago in regard to heavenly rewards. We're not told what kind of rewards God is storing up for us in heaven. And we're not sure when the Bible talks about rewards for obeying God's word exactly what they are. It's not that we're earning heaven by obeying God's word, right? None of us could ever do that. But when we do, by the power of the Spirit, in Christ, obey God's word, there's reward. There's some reward for it. And even if we don't know what the reward is, simply by knowing that there is a reward for conforming our lives to the word of God, that'll make us have a better week, won't it? If we just know that God blesses those who fear him and who keep his commandments. So, he who gives attention to the word will find good.